As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. Well, thank you as always to the Norden Group. Um, I'm sitting here with sore legs, having done my third mountain bike race this year. I, I don't get out as much as I used to, um, but uh, before anything else, I just wanted to say that like yesterday reminded me why I love Maybird. We had a not a huge crowd come up to Snowbird, but lots of awesome people had a really good time. Um, made myself hurt like. Uh, yeah, I would say it's probably one of our least attended I-Cups that we've had, but the group that came out was awesome. Oh, um, yeah. You know, it's kind of a little bit different place to have a race because there's really no room to set up tents. We are kind of like shoved in a little corner somewhere, and I think a lot of people didn't even know we had a tent there. Well, the funny thing is, like, Snowbird's where I did a lot of my racing when I first started riding, and since the bike world's kind of exploded and we have to go to big, you know, open places in the desert to do a lot of races, like... Snow, I feel more at home racing mountain bikes at Snowbird. Like that's, that's where I, I was telling Dan, I went and spectated at my first ever mountain bike race at an iCup at, at Snowbird going on 10 years ago. Like I love it there. I, I think the reason we have a smaller crowd there is because it's such a psychotically difficult course that beats you up pretty bad. You know, but, it does, but my goodness, I was like, I almost needed a jacket there in the morning. It was, it was, like, oh, yeah. I was like shivering and I saw people walking around with blankets and yep. Um, super cold in the morning, but the temperatures were great all day. And it was just, it really was beautiful. And, um, course is a ton of fun. Like it's, it's hard, it's, it's fun, but, but it's, it's a really, ton of fun, especially for me. That's one I always struggle with. Yeah. And it, and on a, in honesty, I, I actually paid for that one in advance just because I wanted to feel obligated to do it because I always chicken out yep. and don't do the snowbird one. Cause it's so hard for me. It's not, I, you know, I do, I do really well in like kind of longer, more steady yep. races Get into a rhythm. Um, there ain't no rhythm at Snowbird. This one's, it's just not, I don't do well at Snowbird ever, but I had a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Super glad I came. Um, we had an awesome group that came out though. Um, you know, I'm just kind of going off memory, but I'm like Lauren Montague and Ella Balls came in. They had a great They race. crushed it. I think they were like second and third or first and second or something like that. Dane Cowan. Dane, I have to call oh, yeah. out. He, Dane passed me. I, 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 so I, Dane and the other guy with him kind of started catching up to me on the, the, my second lap on the descent. And I kind of, I was, I'm feeling pretty good. I was able to kind of do the same pace. They were on, on the downhill for the second lap. Um, we got to the road for the third lap and I was kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I could kind of hop onto this group here and sort of, you know, and they were going so fast <laughs> and, and we're, and not just fast, they were going hard. Like they were racing like, like, like teenagers race bikes, like 
every single like it's it's like watching those guys race is like watching Nino sprint for a victory at the World Cup, except it's Saturday at Snowbird. Like the amount of heart that those guys put oh, into their God. races is awesome. They, I they, love yeah, it. Dane Dane passed me like I was standing still. It was just cool. Just shocking. Yeah. Um, I I did want to shout out Alex Fisher. Yep. Have you met Alex Fisher? I love that kid. He is hilarious. Oh yeah, man. But he was just, he had a great race, was super happy. He wanted to get on the, the JV and JV. There's just so fast. He went on the podium. He was on the podium. Um, super, super glad to see that. It was fun. I have to shout out my boy. Landon Jacob was there too. Absolutely crushed it. Like perfect course for him. You know, like the, the little climber guys had a good day yesterday. I think that's, You know, physics, physics, and uh, physics, and I don't get along at Snowbird. But yeah, and then like um, there was uh, Quinn Profsky and Zoe Leclerc. I think yep. both on. You know, I'm, I'm kind of going off memory, so I'm forgetting. Oh yeah, people, we'll forget. So. We're, this is not a comprehensive list. Yeah, we're sorry about that. But thanks for everyone that came out. It was super fun. Also, thanks to everyone that helped me set up and take down. That's that's a really tough venue because for some reason Snowbird is really really grumpy about letting other vehicles even touch those dirt roads i don't you know and so we kind of have to park in the parking lot and like carry all the tents and everything by hand and said so, i had a bunch of people help me in the morning and then um drew Derek and his mom helped me in the afternoon and and they did all the walking back and forth and it's super exhausting you know, like we had our park, our van just parked at the edge there and someone came and got really mad at us. You and know, it's just like, in the spirit of being like conciliatory and nice, I, I will just say I have no nice things to say about Snowbird, the organization. Just none. But the, have, the, the area is beautiful. Oh, Snowbird, the area is, is, I think, the best place on earth. Snowbird, the organization is... Well, we don't need to get. We don't. That. Okay, we'll I was gonna say. Hole. I was kind of thinking. You know, like man, if I would have showed up at a bulldozer or something, they would have probably. Oh yeah. Me, like on through, you know. But no, I just I know that someday, like Snowbird's gonna bulldoze all those trails to put up like a Ferris wheel in a Gucci store or something stupid. <laughs> but until then, I'm I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. I think but Snowbird it was sucks a fun so race. bad. So thanks for everyone that came and and it was super fun. Um, Dan's getting me off my warpath here. Moving along yeah, really quickly. To- Anyway, Gotta keep um, it happy here. We, we should also say, in, in the spirit of happy things, um, our most loyal listener and coolest coach, Amy Larkin, uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to wish you a happy birthday. A very and happy birthday. She's, I, she's actually older than me. Which is just shocking. Like, that's the most jaw-dropping fact anybody's ever, anybody's ever put out but there. Only for, this. like, a few days. Because, like, I, I turned the same age on August 10th. So. Well, there you go. But, um, you're much, you're much older in appearance, Dan. Don't worry. I I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, just, just shout her out because she's, she's just done amazing things for the, for the girls in the cycling community. I mean, we are to say we're lucky to have her is just like an understatement. She, she goes just so far above and beyond in planning her rides, leading her rides, making them fun keeping it cool, fun and positive. Like the running group was just a huge success, everything. So huge, happy birthday, huge. Thank you. Um, you know, maybe instead of a secret word today, everyone should just like jump on team snap and wish instead of texting me, the secret word is happy birthday. And you text it to Amy Larkin. Yeah. How about that? There we go. So find her. I don't know if Amy's on Instagram. So if you have her number, text her, she's on Strava and team snap. There you go. Everyone use TeamSnap. I hope you haven't undownloaded it from your phone at this point in the season, but if you have, 
you know, so, uh, make sure to wish Amy, Amy a happy birthday. Yeah, but that I, I was just thinking that iCup is the last race I have to set up for. Oh yeah, this year, which is I should say because there is the Powder Mountain Endurance iCup that still happens in a yeah. few weeks, right? But we but usually won't... endurance races have good enough support that, that we really that we don't really need to be there. Yeah. There's a small part of me that's thinking about doing that, but I don't know. I might if I don't it's know. not in a Nike weekend. I'll look into it because I love I love Powder Mountain. They yeah. used to do a Nike race at Powder Mountain. I don't know if they do. I don't think they do anymore, or at least for our division. Because I remember a few years going up there in the fall, and it's on. Oh, it's 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 the most beautiful place in the world. It like, really is. It's such and it's such a fun place to race. I yeah, love call it. out for that. Great. I think good, like a good opportunity. If you're looking to do point to point, uh, that's a great place to practice your fueling strategy. See how you do with different intensities and stuff. Um, there aren't, a t- I mean, there are more endurance events out there than there used to be. I feel like with all the gravel stuff, but that's, I, that's, don't forget, don't, don't sleep on the, on the I cup endurance races. Those are yeah. great. I think more people need to do those. Yeah. I would like to see our, especially the post Nike kids do more oh, yeah. endurance type stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So, Joe, before we go into news, can I just talk about um, my news, I guess? Well, it's not news, but my visit with Max Testa. Yeah, we should we should probably close the loop on that. So really quick, if, if, you, if you're not familiar with, if you didn't listen last week, if you're not familiar with Max Testa, how would you, um, how, how would you describe Max Testa and his connection to the cycling world? Well, um, when I met with him the other day, he had recently returned as a doctor from the Tour de France. Yeah. So... Yeah, he's 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 super legit. I should say he is associated with Lance Armstrong. I've I've heard that yeah. before. He's a so um, definitely knows his stuff. Um, uh, I've I have seen him before a long time ago for asthma when I was uh, a Nike racer, and I remember him being all doctors are good, but not all doctors are cyclists. <laughs> and it's nice to have one that kind of understands the particular rigors and demands of the sport. And you were talking for a while about wanting to see him because of your weird well yeah Dr. Woller, I was, I was um, chatting with um, Scott Woller and he he recommended that I see uh, Max Testa about my cramping you know and I thought that was a great I don't I was kind of like why didn't I think of that you know yeah yeah and I'm like okay I gotta do this so I set up an appointment and they got me right in and and Max Testa is probably he's he's extremely intelligent but he's also probably one of the nicest, oh, yeah. kindest, oh yeah, funnest doctors to visit with. He's really lovely guy. Really, just it. It's just a pleasure to meet with him. In fact, like I think he was kind of glad to know that I was a somewhat, somewhat into cycling because, my goodness, we could have spent like oh yeah two hours nerding out together. Oh yeah. So um, when I met with him, he actually had a um, a med student shadowing him that day. Oh, interesting. Which was actually interesting because most of the explaining that he was doing, he was actually kind of explaining more to the med student than to me, um, which I actually kind of liked, you know. Yeah, kind of interesting. If you say that somebody can teach something, that means they really understand it, you know, right? Like that's that's a good benchmark to know where somebody's like level of knowledge is at. And and I'll be honest, because I've studied a lot about cramping. It's, right. it's, you know, it's a big deal to me. It's, it's, it's really probably my biggest limiter in the sport. You know, I'm, I'm always having to hold back because I'm trying to prevent myself from cramping, you know? And so I've been something I've, I'm fairly well versed in, you know? And, and, and so I was kind of glad because I almost wanted to go in there 
acting like I really didn't know much and just kind of get the basics from him and right. see what he had to say and see how it compared with kind of a lot of the what we've been learning about lately on like the different you know like on the fast talk podcast and some of the 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 more popular science on on that lately but um really quick can I stop you there mm-hmm. um uh, my apologies. I, I know a lot of you know I have a really loud voice and Dan has a quiet voice. So when I set up our new microphones last week, I had one of them tuned uh, down uh, for my voice and tuned up for Dan's. And I realized we were using the wrong microphones there. So uh, if you go back there and it sounds like Dan is super duper quiet and I'm even louder than usual, um, I apologize. So Man, um, that's a scary thought. I know, right? Like me even louder. It's just <laughs> like that's that's what the next Avengers movie is going to be about. Um uh, but Max Testa. Oh yeah, Max Testa. Max so Testa. Anyhow, I met with him, and and I was I was kind of surprised that his his thoughts on cramping were were seemed to be somewhat old school. Um, but it, but he really was well versed in in the subject and has had a lot of experience, like probably more experience than just about anyone I could have met with on a really high level, you know? Right. So, and, and like working specifically with cyclists too. Yeah. So here, here's some of the things I learned. Um, first of all, the first thing he, he started talking about is that, you know, he could tell that I'm kind of a, a bigger, more muscly guy that I'm probably more fast to which dominant. And he said that I need to spend more time doing rides below zone two and he asked me what my low zone two what my threshold was and i told him my threshold and um i was a little embarrassed because he's used to pretty impressive thresholds but he's used to thresholds in the triple digits but you know what (laughs) 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 super nerdy cyclist burn there so so he told me he's like you know try to keep your zone two rides i want you to do at least three zone two rides a week that are below 200 watts and he, wow. you know, that he explained that that's going to just help um, increase the amount of. It's basically just going to work my slow twitch muscles, you know. So, hmm, so okay. I'm going to do, and, you know, and we've talked about that a ton on the podcast. That was yeah. Anything, but he was kind of explaining that more to the med student in the room, you know, who might not be a cyclist. So, interesting. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the first thing he he said, um, and then he did say that once a week I should do a, a threshold type workout. You know, he he suggested some four to six minute intervals. Um, but then he also encouraged me to do, and this is something I want to do like a whole podcast on soon, is some neuromuscular work, which he he suggested just some really short, all out four to eight second sprints, just. And then rest for several minutes in between. and Like high school Joe style rides? N- well, no. These are even just shorter. They're so short, they, they really don't make you that tired. Hmm. These are actually good workouts to do in the winter, you know. Oh, really? Um, and, and they're just a few seconds long, and they're just to kind of help your muscles with recruitment and so forth. And he, he suggested doing some of those. And I want to talk a little bit about neuromuscular work. I should have talked about that today, maybe. But we'll talk about that soon. Um, um, but then... He did say, you know, he asked me about if I'm a salty sweater. Really? He did, yeah. And he um, he asked me if my, you know, if I can see evidence of salt on my on my helmet straps. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely a salty. They're, sweater. they're pretty gross, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, well, mine aren't as bad as yours, but ooh, fighting words <laughs> from someone who doesn't control the software for this podcast, Dan. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he asked me about 
you know how much I say. He's like, you know, guys like you, it's really common to need to supplement with sodium while you're writing. Ah, which is a good call because that's something you're already doing. It's huh? something I do, and it's something that I found works. But you know, like you, you know, like the most. And I'm a guy that believes in science. You know, I got the COVID vaccine and I'm, you know, I'm right. And, but you know, and the latest greatest science on cramping is that sodium is, is unrelated to is it. unrelated and has nothing is, it doesn't, won't help, you know? And so, but it really seemed like it did for me. And it was really nice to kind of hear it confirmed from Max Testa that he said, you know, and he's like, it's just a small percentage of people that are like you, you know, it's not most cyclists, but he's like people like you, you know, they do need to, increase their sodium while they're riding or else they are going to cramp. You know, it just helps with their hydration. It keeps their blood levels higher. You know, this stuff we've talked about before, but it was kind of cool just hearing it confirmed from yeah. a guy that was 10 times smarter than me. Well, and in the spirit of name dropping cool cycling people, when I worked in the industry, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Dr. Alan Lim a couple times, who's the guy behind Scratch Labs, which many of you will be familiar with is like our, as a team without sponsors and us without any sort of industry tie-ins both of us will say scratch labs is our favorite stuff um especially their drink mix and and he explained it so concisely to this room full of people he you know i was i was in he was like you know uh when you sweat that's not just water and you know it's kind of silly to think that you could replace that mixture of water and other stuff with just water which is like what i do i'm totally guilty like most of the time i'm writing i'm writing with just water which is kind of nonsensical when you realize that the stuff coming out is water plus other stuff and you're just putting water back in you know um and I think for a lot of people, they'd probably be fine. But, you know, for you and the other crampers out there listening to this, like that's that's critical, I'd imagine, right? Well, and I just thought, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, am I wasting my time? Is this just placebo? You know, and, but he did, he he told me that I should shoot to take about about 500 milligrams an hour when I'm riding above 70 degrees outside. It's a fairly it's significant just, amount. It's not too bad. I mean, some people do about 1,000 milligrams Really? Um, that's about two salt tablets an hour, which okay. every 30 minutes, that's not too bad. Um, yeah, and it's something that helps me, and I'm just going to keep doing it. And, um, you know, there's we, – we talked about – I was in there for probably an hour and a half, and we were just – I was asking questions, and we were just ta- we were just having a great time. It was so fun. Um, one thing he did say is that they're on the cusp of a prescription medication – that is going to um, help calcium be reabsorbed into the muscle after a contraction, which um, sometimes in people that cramp, the calcium isn't getting reabsorbed. So there's an you know excessive amount of calcium and it causes the, the muscle to continue to fire. And there's a, a prescription medication, which he said would be performance enhancing. Um, oh, so like, like, like band? Like it, you would, couldn't... it would be a band... He's like, really? he's like, but not for you, you know? Yeah, I was going to say. I'm like, oh, I can't wait till that comes out. I will be. You know, Lance Armstrong used to be at the forefront of doping. Now it's like 50-year-old Masters crit racers in Florida. It seems like every time like somebody gets banned, it's yeah. some like Masters racer dude. But, you know, if they did come out with a, a medicine that present, prevents cramping. Oh, yeah. That would be. ICUP doesn't drug test. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. You could show up. To, you could you could be pumped to the gills with EPO and show up and do an ICUP and it would be fine. Right, no, Dan? No, it wouldn't be fine for other reasons because <laughs> I have a conscience. Ooh, that's a knock. <laughs> Conscious is extra weight. You know, I don't need that. <laughs> don't please, no one quote me on that. I might, 
I might trim this unless I forget. Remember, but Miles, Miles is listening. Miles, Miles has a conscience. Miles is such a good guy. I went and did, I have to say really quick. Actually, I'll, I'll save it. I, mean, I have a Miles Baker story for you that was oh, okay. really fun when we're done yeah, with this. You know, so it was a fun visit with him. Um, learned a lot. Confirmed some of the things that seemed to work for me. Right. I don't think I'm crazy anymore. But I realized that, you know... I talk about cramping probably disproportionately. On to this. how important it is to most of us. Yeah, because probably most of you don't even Cramping cramp. is your white whale, Dan. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I have on that. But, okay. But, you know, if you, yeah, I think I think he is a good resource, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. The fact that he's here in Utah's. Uh, you know, an interesting thing to point out is he actually, um, one of his specialties is is heart conditions for athletes. So, you know, I've, I've always said you know that like heart athletes with like a higher heart rate or something should go get checked by a you know a cardiologist which is which are really hard to get into yeah maybe if if that's something you're concerned with go see max testa yeah and like, it might make it e- he could probably get you in with a cardiologist yeah. easy you know so and i should say too like and and not to scare anyone but like it, it happens all the time that some young up-and-coming professional cyclist has a, a cardiac event in a race like it happened in Prairie bay a few years ago um I forget the writer's name, but there there have been at least two cases in the last five years of like young up and coming riders having major, even fatal cardiac events on the back. Or like Sonny Cobrelli is a great example, retired a year or two ago because he had a cardiac event on the finish line of a race. He got second in and he had to retire. So um, if you have any inkling that you might have a, any kind of cardiac problem, like definitely get it checked out. And yeah. he would be a good place. He'd be a great place. We to should start. have mentioned that during our, our heart rate. Yeah, episode. I didn't realize he'd had any uh, background in that. But yeah, I guess that's one of his one of his specialties. So super interesting. Yeah, but he is okay. a sports med doctor. So but yeah, throw out uh, Max Testa, great resource. The fact that we have him here in Utah is killer. You know, go use. It. Is he is he like IHC? He's or? IHC. Okay. Yeah. Most people have insurance that plays ball with that, right? Yeah. Go go see Max Testa. Cool guy. Can I tell you my really quick Miles Baker story from this sure. last week? Miles roped me into State Park City's uh, Wednesday Night Worlds ride, and. Um, this was on the day, one of our crazy rainstorms that we had. Long and the short of it is I show up to this ride with Miles, and there are two people there, and they are Isaac Zabriskie and Keegan Swenson. And Isaac Zabriskie and Keegan Swenson are, to me, as like a Formula One car is to like a Chevy Cavalier. Like, it's, you know, so I'm sitting there, I'm absolutely sure. Some other guys showed up, they were really fast too. Miles and I were riding... 10, 15 minutes in, I'm starting to realize how much trouble I'm in. Anytime the road points up at all, I'm really struggling Miles happens to double puncture, which is the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me a good excuse to stop and help him out. But I was kind of thinking like, oh, you've punctured. We'll fix this and then we'll go. We'll just do a fun Park City loop or whatever. He's like, no, let's ride the loop backwards and go catch those guys. And um, Miles, I just wanted to let you know that you inspire me to to do great and crazy things. And we went back and caught those guys and got to duke it out with Keegan Swenson and uh, uh, Mark Spratt. Who was riding a bike, right? Yeah, I should say Keegan, who was like 80 miles into a ride when he started this 40 mile loop where like Mark Spratt was pulling on the front and stuff and um, crazy, crazy fun. Thank you, Miles, for the heads up there. And it was so cool to see like Miles, like, you know, just like like everything he does. I, mean, I love how much heart that guy puts into it. I don't want to talk about Miles too much because I know he's better than me at the podcast and I want people to forget about him instead of demanding that he comes back and replace me. But um yeah, I, I wanted to shout out Miles there for his our fun little adventure we had this week. Um, probably the only time I'll be in a group with Keegan Swenson ever again, and I'm actually kind of fine with that because it was super duper painful. But um, anything else on your end, or should we head into the news yeah, really quick? Yeah, go do the news. So this is this is a, a newsworthy week 
for the first time, I think ever, they're doing what they're calling a super world championships event in uh, Glasgow. And the world championships, of course, is where you win the rainbow jersey, right? The way it works in cycling is once a year in every discipline, there's a world championship event, and the winner of that event gets to wear the rainbow jersey uh, for the rest of the season until the next world championships. And then for the rest of their life, you get rainbow jerseys on your uh, rainbow stripes on your sleeve, right? So huge deal. And um, uh, in Glasgow, Scotland, really, really beautiful. They're going to do all of the events other than cyclocross. So like BMX, road, all the mountain bike disciplines, um, uh, track, like, and then the weird like bike ball and like bike dancing and stuff like anything bike other than cyclocross because it's a winter thing is happening in Glasgow starting a few days ago until next Sunday I believe and today was the men's elite road race which is kind of the, the biggest event of, of the entire um, uh, world, world championship calendar and um, it was really cool I woke up this morning and watched I used my VPN to trick BBC iPlayer into thinking I was in London so I could watch for free which is a fun little tip for everybody out there um, really really cool spoilers I'll give you guys a couple seconds if you want to go back and watch it Two, one. Uh, Vanderpool took the win, and it was one of the most impressive wins I've ever seen because he won from a group consisting of Wout van Aert, Tadej Pogacar, and former world champion, I believe 2020 or 2021 world champion Mads Pedersen. Um, like, like it's a pretty cool group. The guys. hardest hitting group I think I've ever seen together, and um, kind of a a bumpy course, you know, like short punches, nothing too long. Um, Vanderpool breaks, I, I think 35 Ks to go, puts in this like earth shattering effort up this hill and drops, like to see him dropping Wat Van Aert and Tadej Pogacar just gives it like, as a cycling fan, gave me goosebumps, right? Drops those guys, starts time trialing away, 10, 15 minutes later, totally crashes, absolutely hits the deck in a wet corner. The race was, it's in Scotland, right? It's wet. Um, totally slides out, hits a barrier, like fairly nasty crash, gets right back up, no gets on his bike, starts time trialing again. Well, he's like reaching down to fix his shoe because like the boa on his shoe broke, fixes his shoe, his jersey's all ripped up, shorts and everything, only lost like 30 seconds and then gained that back and more on the group. And I was reading an interview with Tadej Pogacar where he was like, yeah, we basically gave up. Like we saw Vanderpool go and he's like, oh, he's too strong today. We're racing for second now, right? And so Vanderpool just time trials away takes. He's never been road world champion before. Five time cyclocross world champion and um, current cyclocross world champion. So now the world champion in two disciplines. Hmm. And next Saturday he will be going out and racing the mountain bike event to try and do what I believe only Pauline Ferrand Prevost has done before and be a a triple world champion in cyclocross road and mountain. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how he goes up against Nino and those other guys because he hasn't been doing quite as much mountain bike. But one of the most impressive races I've ever seen. I think it so. kind of depends on the course how he'll do really. Yeah, and I think I think this will be one that's good for him because he's he's a big guy. So on like a like a, on an Albstadt or something, I, I don't know if he's ever won there, but like I think by the textbook that's a course where he'd be uh, less apt to win. Um, but I think I don't think there's any super big long climbs in this one, and if it's like just a punchy power race. I don't, I don't think there's anyone in the world who can do that as well as Matthew Vanderpool. Hmm. So, um, uh, I also want to throw in today was the mountain bike marathon event. Uh, Avancini and, uh, Mitterwalner took that super impressive from both of them. Um, the women's road race will be next Sunday. Um, so there's a week between the men's and the women's events. And then both the men's and women's cross country race 
will be uh, this coming Saturday. So again, to my understanding, um, uh, get like Surfshark. I think you pay like six bucks a month or another VPN. Um, set your location to the UK, and then you can use the BBC iPlayer to watch these events. I think. Well, easy as that. Huh? Easy as that. It's really pretty straightforward. So um, yeah, just wanted to say like today was a cool day to be a cycling fan. You know, and the, the podium ended. I should say the podium ended up being uh, Van Art broke for second. And then Pogachar outsprinted Mads Pedersen for third. And there was an interview with Pogachar. It was like, I was a zombie, just like a dead man walking. It was like a six hour long road well, race. just finished the tour not long ago. Yeah, right? just ba- yeah, all of those guys just barely finishing the tour. Um, Pogachar, I think his ride was almost as impressive as Vanderpool's because he's a smaller guy. You know, he's a climber, right? Like, like to see like a watts per kilo guy be able to like out sprint Mads Pedersen and hang on to those guys in the short climbs was crazy. So. Uh, really looking forward to the women's race. Um, uh, we'll follow up on that next week. My pick for that, I think, will be Demi Vollering. I think she's on insanely good form coming mm-hmm. off the tour. Um, I'd love to see Mariana Voss win it, though. So we'll see how well I did for that. And then we won't talk to you until after the mountain bike race. So I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm going to say Vanderpool. I'm on the Vanderpool train. I don't know. Do you think, do you think Vanderpool could beat Nina or... I don't think so. I'm, so I'm, you're going to say Nino. I'm going to say Nino. Okay, Dan's saying Nino, I'm saying Vanderpool. And then in the women's, I'm going to say Prevo. I think she's had an up and down season. I think she's a winner. I think she's going to want to come and, you know, really, you know, get a, a a dominant performance in the style of her triple world championship days back in 2015 or 16 or whenever that was. So I'm going to say Vanderpool for the men's and Prevo for the women's. Do you have a women's pick? I don't. Okay. Say Neff. Okay, I'll say Neff. Kind of left field right now. It feels it feels weird to say that Yolanda Neff is, is a is a left field pick, but I'd like to see I'd like to see a good old Neff Provo battle because that's what it was like when I was getting into cycling a few years ago. Um, but yeah, definitely tune in and watch. Great week to be a cycling fan. If uh, the Norden Group's done well with your profile, go buy a ticket to uh, Glasgow and go see it in person. <laughs> Um, and if uh, you're the rest of us, uh, like I said, get a, get a VPN and watch on BBC iPlayer. So now that we're 30 minutes into the podcast, Whoa. Dan, I will uh, stop running my mouth and let you uh, go into your deep dive, which I'm actually kind of interested in today. Okay. Not to imply that I'm not usually interested, but this does actually sound interesting. Today. Oh, does it? That's good. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. So the topic today that we're going to kind of focus on is, is glycogen which I think we're, we're all somewhat familiar with. But I do think that um, this will be a good chance to review some, some of the most important things I think we could talk about right. leading up to the NICA season, which is fueling. Um, I think it's something that like a lot of kids are still struggling with. It's probably the thing I get the most questions oh, yeah. on. It, a lot of people whiff on fueling, I think. Yeah. It's like um, they do all this work and then they kind of botch it on the fueling. Yeah. Um, and so we've, we've, I think a lot of what we're talking about, we've talked about before. So uh, there's going to be some good uh, episodes you could probably go back and listen to in addition to this. Um, but I think this will be good for, you know, to help, help us get ready for the NICA season. So um, I should say that like, my familiarity with glycogen is the glycogen window and you're supposed to eat 45 minutes after hard workout. Like that's, that's, I think that's kind of where a lot of people's knowledge, like glycogen is energy that you get from food and you have, there's some tie into recovery where you're supposed to eat within 45 minutes of finishing work. I think that is where a lot of our glycogen knowledge kind of lands, you know, if you've heard about it at all. We'll definitely be talking about that glycogen window because it's legit. Um, Right. 
So it's actually a pretty. But pretty it's a much huge deal. deeper topic than that, right? Like this is this is yeah, kind of the, so, the central fueling topic, right? So let's let's go to some kind of background info first, and then I'll talk about what glycogen is. But so when you eat carbohydrates, okay, it gets like your body breaks those carbohydrates down into glucose, and our pancreas, when it senses the the glucose levels in our blood when it starts to rise. Um, it, it releases a hormone called insulin. You've all heard of that. Right. And what insulin does is it allows, it basically unlocks our cells. So our cells can take in this, this glucose and use it as energy. So this is what like diabetes is a dysfunction of where you're not, where your body's insulin resistant. Yeah, so you've just got a sensitive. bunch of sugar floating around in your bloodstream that's not being absorbed by your cells and yeah, then it damages exactly, stuff, right? Yes. Okay. So, um, so when once your cells have all the energy that they need, what happens next is this the excess glucose is stored as glycogen and it's stored in our liver and it's stored in our skeletal muscles. So so basically all glycogen is 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 stored energy. It's a stored form of glucose. Okay. Okay. Um, once those you know, and this might be oversimplified a little bit, but once those those glycogen stores are full, um, any additional energy would be converted to triglycerides and then stored as fat. Right. Which is also a source of energy. So this is how, like, if if you're if you're over consuming and under exercising your body, this is like the mechanism by which your body is storing the energy yeah. in the form of like fat, right? Like, yeah. You know, if, if you're over-consuming and under-exercising chronically, your glycogen stores are always topped off. Right. And so pretty much all that extra energy is going to fat. Right. You know, but where we're athletes, you know, our glycogen levels are going to fluctuate. And now, I hope this isn't jumping ahead, but I'm curious. What is the opposite of that? What happens if your glycogen stores are chronically depleted and you're trying to draw energy from something that's not there? Is well, that that's get, actually... Like, wasting? Okay, that... If we were talking about, like... Um, I'd actually like to do a whole podcast because that's a really good question. Okay. And that actually happens with people like on that are doing like ketogenic diets. Right. Um, basically, if you're if you're if your carbohydrate intake is that low, other things can your body will convert other things into glucose, oh, okay. which will which will still fill your glycogen stores. It just is slower and it and there's a period of time it takes longer to do and so forth. But not a thing we do. And endurance but yeah, sports. probably not great for cross-country racers. Yeah, so. don't do that. Um, I'll save that for another episode, though. Yeah, but I was, it's something, it is interesting. It, yeah. I mean, the whole ketogenic thing, I, I think, is probably good for some people. Um, not cross-country racers. Nope, unless not, you want to be slow. Then not youth okay. cross-country racers. Yeah, yeah. stay away so, from that. Um, and so when, when our blood sugar drops, there's a hormone that releases that will cause our liver to release glycogen back into the bloodstream, you know? So it's just like this really cool system of kind of regulating our, our blood sugar levels. Um, so, so at rest, like, so, so glucose is, is kind of the preferred fuel source of our body. And at rest, this is just kind of a fun fact. So it's, it's almost kind of a side note. Do you know that at rest, 60% of, our glucose used is used by our brain. 
Really? Yeah, our brains. I thought this was going to be like a lame fact. to be like, oh, interesting. Like That's shocking. Yeah, our brains are actually energy hogs. Like, yeah. The brain loves glucose. Interesting. Yeah, and so... Which is why you kind of get lightheaded when you're hungry, right? Or they say, like, before you take your standardized test, you should eat a granola bar or something, right? Like... Yeah, and that, that's an, an interesting thing to consider, too, is, like, when exercising, you know, when your body's trying to decide where to send energy, it's, you know, if you don't have sufficient energy, it's still going to prioritize sending it to your brain rather than to your exercising muscles, you know, so that's... Interesting, okay. Um, you know, that's... Makes kinda, sense. Yeah. So, basically, so what is glycogen, as we mentioned, it's... it's in simple terms, it's just stored glucose. Store, stored energy, yeah. right? Well, so is fat. Oh, okay. So Useful stored energy, would that be a better simplification? I think a better simplification is stored glucose. Stored glucose, okay, all right. Well, we've reached it's, bedrock simplicity there. <laughs> yeah, it's just a longer chain of glucose that's stored. And um, like I said, some of it's stored in the liver. And the, 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 where it's stored in the liver, that can be used throughout the body. Uh, most of it's stored in the skeletal muscles, and that um, that glycogen can only be used by that particular muscle. Oh, interesting. So okay. having yeah, so like so if you're a big strong, if you're big strong, got big upper body mass, and you're you're storing a lot of glycogen up there, but that's not going to help your legs in a mountain bike race. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so glycogen is the preferred source of energy during above moderate intensity work, which is basically that's what we're doing. Yeah, that's what we're doing. That's that's definitely racing and it's definitely hard group riding and definitely like hard workouts and so forth. So our bodies can store about 2000 calories worth. Oh, is that like everybody's body or is that going to Well, vary? no, no, that varies a lot. Like that varies basically on, you know, the the size and sex of the person and also um, one of the adaptations to training is being able to store more glycogen and utilize more glycogen so that you know that's just kind of an average but that's about 600 grams okay um, yeah and out of those 2,000 calories about four, 400 are in our liver and about 1,600 are in the skeletal muscles oh interesting you know but when you you know when you think about it that's really not a whole lot because yeah. like you know like if you're at race pace you can burn a thousand calories in an hour you know yeah hour and a half yesterday i burned about 1500 calories during my race so that's not i guess that's not a ton huh yeah that's really not a ton yeah and then we'll talk in a, in a little bit how to you know keep those levels preserve those levels basically right but, um but glycogen interestingly and it kind of just makes sense it's mainly in more of our type 2 type muscles there is a little bit in our, our type one, but they're, they use more predominantly fat, so they don't need as much. But, um, and, and this is kind of interesting. When you're operating at your, uh, basically at your FTP or your MLSS, um, you can deplete your effective glycogen stores in about 80 minutes. That's not a, t and especially for people like doing road or gravel events that's a big problem like even if that'll theoretically get you across the line in a lot of mountain bike events like that's you're kind of pretty close if it's getting you through huh? it really is and that's the thing because I've, I've heard people tell kids at nike they don't need to eat while they're racing and technically that's true but you're really really limiting yourself as an athlete do you need tires on your car to get around like no a car will move without tires but like that kind of sucks i don't know why you'd ever do that right like yeah so 
and I think a lot of the cross country races are kind of on the edge, the cusp of, yeah, you could get away with it. Yeah. But, but why would you? Yeah. What exactly? You know, I mean, I guess if you're like, if it's junior Devo and your race is 28 minutes long, yeah, you probably don't need to stop and have a sign or in a cross you. race. Exactly. Fine. Yeah. But like for most of, if you're listening to this, you should be fueling during pretty much any event. Right. Well, but that, you know, that actually does kind of bring me to one of probably the biggest points I was going to make. I was going to make it later, but I might just make it now is, I mean, actually for a Nike racer, coming into a race with full glycogen stores is by far the most important thing rather than you know what they eat during the race you know just coming to it topped off right is critical 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 right and it's something that you know even people with sensitive stomachs can can do you know yeah but we'll talk about that more in a second but um um well let's just talk about it now so <laughs> so Athletes that train regularly rarely have completely topped off glycogen stores. Yeah. It's always kind of like, it, you know, they always kind of run it low and then they'll replenish it. Then it'll run low again. Then we'll replenish it. And it's like high schoolers, the way they run their gas tanks. Oh, it's a quarter tank. Cause you can't ever fill, you know, you can't afford to well, fill you the tank all the time. You don't want to get it that right? low. You know, getting it too low can, can be dangerous, but yeah, you're, right. it's, it, it's never completely topped off. You know, it's running low, then replenishing it. But that actually, um, signals a really good positive adaptation. You know, it's, it's good to run it, to run it low and then replenish it and, and kind of keep repeating that process. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, being able like one of the adaptations we get that makes us a better athlete is to be able to store and utilize more glycogen you know, you're basically it's like having a car with a bigger gas tank which is which is huge because you know when you're racing your glycogen stores are your most useful fuel stores yeah it's it's definitely it's like like whenever you want to go fast which is Quite often when you're racing, yeah, that's what you're going to be using, right? You know, the food you ingest is kind of to preserve that, but that's that's still kind of that core you're trying to protect. Um, and and so, really, you know, coming to a race topped off is extremely important. And sometimes you even just kind of overshoot it a little bit. You know, you might store some of those calories as fat, but it's, it's going to be kind of a negligible. Like yesterday amount. going into the race, I was like, I can eat a cookie. I'm going to, you know, I was like, if you can, especially if you're like, if you have a sensitive stomach, whatever you can get down, yeah. you're not going to overdo it on race day or yeah. leading up to race day. Yeah. So on race day coming topped off is just essential, but that's kind of the, you don't have to do that all the time. Like you don't no. have to constantly, you know, that would probably as fun as it is. I can tell you from experience, it's not going to help you in the long run. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's something you do to prepare for. A, I am for the a product of a lot of fourth bowls of cereal. How about that? <laughs> it's another potential podcast t-shirt there, but we'll leave that for another day. So you mentioned earlier about the glycogen window, right? So let's talk about that really quick. It, it's a legit thing and it's actually pretty cool. And, and, and I think super important. I think a lot of people think it's cool to kind of downplay it. I don't know who would think that's cool, but I don't, are there people like, Hey, all the cool kids are downplaying the importance of the glycogen window. You should too <laughs> dare to say no to downplaying the importance of the glycogen window. Okay. So, um, so while we're exercising, you know, we mentioned the insulin response that like insulin is, is kind of like a key to unlock our cells to allow, to allow glucose to enter. 
Um, when we're exercising, insulin's kind of blunted. Okay. The in- insulin response is blunted. What happens instead is there's these GLUT4 transporters. We've talked about them before. They move to the outer membranes of the cell, and they basically allow the glucose to kind of pass in the cell easily. Um, This window is open for about 30 to 60 minutes. Well, it's open during exercise and about 30 to 60 minutes after rigorous exercise. And, And so during this time, glycogen replenishes extremely rapidly. Okay. The other thing that that helps glycogen replenish rapidly is the amount that was lost. Like if you do a workout that depletes you, you're actually going to, that window's going to really be open to replenishing, you know, if, if, if it was depleted a lot during a workout. So which is why we're always like, like get a, get some chocolate milk on board after the intervals. You know, like don't, like I know it's tempting a lot of times if you've had that crazy hard training session, you just go home and lay down on the couch and go to sleep. But like before you do, get something down, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think the recommendation is like 40 grams or something, which is like yep. two cysts or something. I would say as much as you can, you know, yep. I mean, that's kind of. I, don't um, worry about overshooting it. Like that's the smaller concern here for a bike racer. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this is why usually chocolate milk, supposedly the protein helps you absorb it more quickly. And for women, it's it's especially important. Chocolate milk, supposedly the golden recovery. Substance. Doing a lot of milk propaganda here, but um, you know, I don't know why I need to sell that as if people are like, oh, I have to drink chocolate milk. Yeah. So Ooh. that's why, you know, that's why chocolate milk or just getting some carbs within 30 minutes of a rigorous exercise is super important right. because, you know, you're going to fill that window much faster. Um, once that window closes, the the replenishment's a lot slower, and it actually involves insulin. So, and but exercise, exercise actually increases your insulin sensitivity for about forty five or forty eight hours after exercise. So that's says a lot about the importance of regular exercise in your life. Is that you're oh, yeah. always going to be more insulin sensitive? Oh yeah. And then. High glycemic foods, which would be what? It was like white bread, just white rice. Yeah, the, the carbs you're supposed to avoid. For, you normally should avoid. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are going to. Um, which is great news. Like this is the this is the time to to eat that stuff, right? Yeah. You know, like those are going to re- replenish your your glycogen window quicker. Oh yeah, have your cocoa pebbles right after the ride, right? Yeah, there you go. Boom. You know, normally that's not healthy, but in this case it serves a purpose. You know, heck yeah. So, um. So one thing I always wondered is how long does it take to replenish your glycogen stores? I, that's a really, I would have, I would have imagined instantly or pretty close to instantly. Like you eat and then within five or 10 minutes, like, is that, oh, really? is, okay. is that not the case? Well, not at all. Actually it's, it's, it's really, I mean, this is a huge, it depends question. Um, I think I answered that wrong for where you were trying to go. I'm sorry to that. Not a better assistant here today, Dan, but that's, that's kind of what I would have thought, you know? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the amount you've, you've depleted your glycogen stores and it also depends on how much carbohydrates you use to replenish them. But you know, if you've, if you've only depleted them a little bit and you're, you're replenishing them with a, with a high amount of carbohydrates, it can take as little as four to 24 hours to replenish them. Okay. You know, um, if, you know, but it can also take several days. 
several so, days several days yeah okay it, wow and that just depends on what types of foods you're eating and so forth um so you know leading up to a big race usually i t- i tell people to start increasing the amount of carbohydrates they eat you know probably two to three days before a big race at least you know just to so just the big bowl of pasta friday night for the race saturday isn't going to cut it like wednesday night it you may or may not depends on where you know it depends on how depleted you were leading up to that i mean you could just be and, and i assume with as much as most of the athletes listening to this train you know they probably are coming into a bigger race somewhat depleted so they do right. need to have a few days where they can fill that up before they go do their big race is this is this any race or just the big race would you say or if you have a really big group ride on saturday like is this just any significant event you need to make sure you're topped off for i think it's a good idea yeah i would say like big rides um at least b races and like the risk of overdoing it is lower than the risk of underdoing it you know i wouldn't do it every single day yeah well you you know know. unless well you know it's kind of fun though (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are well, we'll, we'll get into that. There, we'll there are some, I mean, there are definitely some uh, negative health consequences for over-consuming simple carbohydrates. So, we, yeah, the, the adults in the room are like, ah, can't do this all the time. But you know, you teenagers, are like, you know, if you're 15, this you're fine. Just make sure you. And a race is coming up. Yeah. So um, here's something interesting. Um, I'm quoting here. Starling et al. reported that 24 hours on a high-carbohydrate diet of about 9.8 grams per kilogram of body weight, which is a, oh, that's a ton, actually. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Um, restored 93% of the muscle glycogen oxidized during a prior two-hour cycling bout at 65% of VO2 max. Oh, wow. Which, that's kind of a typical Nike ride, I yeah. would say. Um, it's kind of on the nose. Uh, but a low carbohydrate diet restored only 13%. Right. So, so again, we're not going to litigate ketos, whether or keto is good or bad. It's just not a good fit for, for what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So, you know, as, as far as your glycogen stores go, um, you know, I would say about 60% of your total calories throughout the day should come from carbohydrate sources. And, when you say carbohydrate sources, a lot of people think like white bread and pasta and cold cereal. That's, those are the high glycemic ones. There are so many healthy ways to get your carbohydrates. Um, whole grain breads, beans are a really good one. Potatoes? Potatoes are good. Um, rice. And, you know, especially if you let the potatoes and rice cool. It, it, um, oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, when they're hot, they're higher on the glycemic index when they're cool for some reason. So Really? I had yeah. no idea. Interesting. Yeah, it's healthier okay. to eat cool rice and cool potatoes. So Okay. Um what are some others, Joe? Like even just vegetables, you know, you Oh like, yeah. Like Your sweet potatoes, peas, sweet. I'd imagine, legumes. Yeah. Like most vegetables are carbohydrates. Um just eat lot basically lots of healthy plants. Um yep. but it, but beans, seeds, nuts, fruits. Um, just, just get a lot of, just eat a lot of that stuff. Just get, you know, you don't, you don't really ever have to go hungry. Yeah. And you'll never overdo it on that stuff. Eat it's hard much. to overdo it on that stuff. Yeah. You'll be fine. Um, so now when you're, when you're riding and racing, fueling is extremely important to, you know, we've talked about kind of topping off your, you know, basically coming to event, 
with full glycogen stores. That's especially for Nike racers. I'd say that's probably the most important thing, more important than fueling. Fueling is important because really what you're trying to do is preserve those stores. Right. You know, I mean, you, you can only take in, you really can't take in as much as you're putting out during a race. There's oh, no yeah. way. You're, you're always, always having a net loss, no yeah. matter how good you are. Yeah. You're never going to gain weight. Like, yeah. When you, you just couldn't. Your system it. can't process enough calories for that to ever happen while you're doing that, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is especially important when your races start getting over an hour. You know, and on like in endurance races, oh, it's, yeah. it's the key. It's point the, to point is an eating contest. It really is. Yeah. It's an eating and drinking contest. Um, so we, we've talked about... Uh, I just wanted to review really quick, just because the Nike season's coming up, just kind of my general, real simple guidelines on fueling to be ready for these races. Because like I've said a bunch of times, this is the easiest way to get faster. Like it's amazing how important this is. Like learning how to eat and to fuel your events properly is just the easiest way to get faster. Um, so I just want to review what to do again. So the first thing is about three days before, just like Alex Grant said, don't miss any meals. Just yep. like eat lots and lots of good, healthy carbs, lots of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, oatmeal. Um, just, just be topped off. Um, as, as you get closer to the event, you can make those carbohydrates more simple. You know, as you get closer, it can be, it can start becoming more like oatmeals and pancakes and, and, and so forth. The, the, just the higher glycemic type carbohydrates. So then two hours, about two hours before your event, you want to time it. So you have a really high carb meal and this meal doesn't have to be super healthy. This meal can be the whitest pancakes with maple syrup and powdered sugar and just lots of simple carbs. Um, Preach brother. I like Preach. oatmeal. I'll, the fastest people I know seem to like pancakes. I'm too lazy to make pancakes usually. Um, this quick's been invented Dan. I don't know what to tell you. That's a you problem. <laughs> um, what are some others like breads and bagels and so forth are good too. And it, it's usually a good idea to have that two hours before just so it doesn't cause like a blood sugar spike along with your glute for for transporters activating at the same time can cause some people to get lightheaded. It doesn't really affect me, but I've heard it affects some yeah. people. Um, it also helps with people with gut issues too. Right. And then, um, you know, right before you start, try and take a gel, try and take about 20, 20 grams of carbs, shoot for about 60 grams of carbs an hour. Now, you want to go back and listen to the podcast where we talked about sugar. If you're, and, and I, this is something I really want to just kind of get out there. If you're doing under 60 grams of carbs an hour during a race, it should be glucose. Now, a lot of people, like a lot of the stuff that you can have for ride fuel is, well, basically you want to, you want to avoid fructose because it's just not as good of a fuel source. It basically gets processed in your liver. In your liver, it gets uh, converted to glucose. It's a slower process. It's actually less healthy. Like it does the um, trick, but it's not. Like Swedish fish versus a gel. 
the gel is better is what you're saying. If it's if right. it's glucose based. Okay. You know, like a maltodextrin is a type of glucose or um, a, a lot of candy out there is fructose based. I high, think high fructose corn syrup is the big ingredient you're going to see with this like um like you know, and we did a whole podcast on sugar, but like like table table sugar like sucrose is 50/50, which is probably better than just high fructose corn right. syrup but but a lot of times like um like fruit snacks and stuff aren't really the best choice because they're more fructose based um I better think, than nothing but like not ideal right yeah you want to you want to use ride fruit food that's that's glucose based um my favorite is actually like white bread that, yeah yeah that basically turns right into glucose the second it yeah hits your system um if you're doing above 60 grams an hour and, and 60 grams an hour is about the most most people can tolerate it's quite a bit it's quite a bit that's about like three gels during a race it's more during than an hour race yeah it's quite a bit um if you're trying to do more than that and a lot of endurance racers are trying to get like around 90 to 100 then you start having to combine um, glucose and fructose um but if you're less than 60 and i think most people are just do the glucose. I've seen a lot of people buying the really expensive, like beta fuel and, and that that'll give you like, you know, that's got kind of a, a ratio of glucose to fructose. And those are really only for people that are trying to get above 60. So if you're not trying to give above 60, there's really no reason to use those really expensive fuels. I've seen, seen a lot of them at races lately. And I think, and I, you know, a kid will eat like one of those during a race you would have been better just taking two glucose type gels. Yeah. So just a little something to throw out there. Um, but yeah, like I say, get like fueling something that takes practice. It's something that's super easy for people like me and not as easy for a lot of kids I know out there. So it does take, take practice. I know Landon Jacob um, was someone that, that kind of just struggled with it and he's, He's figured out, I can't remember what it was, like a peanut butter sandwich or something yep. with white bread. Is Take some trial and error. Figure yeah, out what works you know, for that you. That works for him. Um, but yeah, if this is something you can you can figure out, it's just going to make you faster. And, you know, but most of the time, your diet should be, should be healthy, carbs, vegetables, fruits, nuts. Um, but fueling for races is... It's more fun. Look at it that way. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a chance to eat some of those foods that... Were you fueling for a race? Eat like you're at Grandma's house. That's, yeah, that's... There yeah. go. It's another t-shirt. <laughs> I'm just... I'm on fire this week. Just t-shirt after t-shirt. So, yeah. You know, if you guys have any questions or anything, please let us know. We love getting questions. Like I say, most of our podcast topics... Oh, we're running out, man. No, I've got some more. I've got okay, some Okay, never mind. Ones. Half of us are running out, man. <laughs> Pitch some our way. Ask Joe some questions. He's yeah. Really Ask me some like bite questions and stuff. So I have to keep getting like lame, nerdy science lessons from Bill Nye, the science guy over here. That 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 roast was going better places in my head, and I decided that execution and confidence were more important than substance. And I'm questioning that now. Um, but yeah, yeah, shoot shoot questions our way. Always always happy to get those. But yeah, I'm excited for the Nike season to begin. I'm excited to watch you guys race. Um, if there's anything we can do to help you through it, if you have any questions, you know, we want we want you guys to have fun and to just see how well you can do and it'll it'll be awesome and of course uh your secret uh word challenge of the day is figure out some way no. to tell amy larkin happy oh yeah birthday. that's right 
I didn't know where I was going with that. I'm not I didn't know where you were going. Pro. I thought you just forgot. This is my 54th episode. Well, actually, it's probably my 52nd because I didn't do those tools on my honeymoon. But I've, I've been around the block. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. Don't question me. Don't question me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, uh, thanks as always, folks. We will talk to you again in a week. Everyone ride safe. And uh, happy birthday to Amy Larkin. <laughs>